Hello and welcome to Fivercast, the official Fiverr podcast for sellers by sellers. I am Ryan, aka Custom Drumlets on Fiverr. And I'm Adam, also known as Twisted Web123. Today we're joined by special guest Sarah from Work Flexibility. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show, Sarah, especially with Fiverr just partnering with the Work Flexibility Movement. Can you give us a brief insight for anyone listening what Work Flexibility is and a little bit more about this movement, the One Million for Work Flexibility? Absolutely. We're thrilled to have Fiverr uh, becoming a supporter of One Million for Work Flexibility. This initiative was born out of my experience that there are two different audiences, of two main core audiences who want or need or support work flexibility. Historically, it's come from kind of the more corporate or organizational, educational side, uh, thought leaders and people within organizations and companies who are trying to integrate work flexibility into their culture and advocate for it. Uh, but very much left out of the conversation have been the people who want and need work flexibility as part of their lives. And, and that's something that we really wanted to harness the energy of both. So we wanted to bring more awareness to why work flexibility is not just a benefit for the employees or the workers, uh, but also for the, the companies and be able to exchange information between the two. Now, Sarah, are freelancers involved in this movement as well, just because Fiverr is a platform that has so many freelancers working in so many different fields? Absolutely. Freelancers are, in many ways, leading the charge of work flexibility. Uh, the shift in the employment market over the last, especially five, ten years, uh, to have a, a, a massive growth in the freelance market, especially in terms of the diversity of jobs and opportunities uh, that are available. I think a lot more companies are considering freelance work as an option, whereas previously they wouldn't have in many ways before the recession, but also just in general. Uh, I think that the way the, the job market is moving, freelancers are at the forefront of flexibility and are helping to highlight why there's a desire to have more ownership over your career. Uh, meaning not, you know, necessarily being, um, you know, chained to one company in, in one role and have that be the expectation of what is the only way to, to have a profession. You know, I was first introduced to this concept of work flexibility when I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And I think that sort of scratches the surface on teaching this idea that you don't necessarily have to be tied to the traditional, you know, 40 to 70 hour work week in some cases. And so that was my introduction to it. And so it's nice to see that this is taking off and expanding. If you were to give advice to people that were looking to first learn about this, what would be the first steps to take? Um, in terms of educating yourself about work flexibility, the first thing to know is that there is not just one kind of work flexibility. Uh, the, probably the most commonly thought of one is telecommuting or remote working or working from home. There's unfortunately a lot of different terms for it that we're trying to, to change, um, but uh, we're actually trying to put it under an overarching term of TRAD, uh, telecommuting remote and distributed, uh, because there are there are probably about 15 different terms that people use for, for telecommuting. Um, but th that is often the most prominently thought of type of flexibility, but really it's also about schedule flexibility, being able to switch your schedule around as, as you either want or need to, uh, or alternative schedules, actually working a schedule that is maybe set, but that is not the traditional hours. Uh, we also consider part-time jobs as a work type of work flexibility, particularly because it's very difficult to find professional level part-time jobs in most areas. But having a 
you know, if you're a director of marketing or something along those lines, uh, and you're looking for an alternative arrangement, a part-time schedule might be exactly what works for your life. In freelance, is as, as we've already talked about a little bit, freelance actually is really embodies a lot of those. And many of these types of flexibility are, are not either or, they're, they're and. Uh, you could be a freelancer and have a flexible schedule. You could be a telecommuter and have an alternative schedule, um, et cetera. So educating yourself on what the types of work flexibility are, and then if you're interested in them, being honest with yourself about what, what types will work for you. Uh, working from home or telecommuting 100% of the time uh, can sound like a dream in concept, but until you really look and make sure that you are set up, you have a home office where you have a, a focused, dedicated, quiet workspace. Uh, and also evaluating if, if you derive a lot of your social interactions from work, then working from home 100% of the time might feel lonely to you. It might it might actually not be such a great situation. In that case, you might want to look at telecommuting part of the time. Uh, so I think being understanding what types of flexibility can you know, appeal to you and can really work for your life is very important. So is the movement something that is kind of pitched towards the employers or the employees and workers in, in this case? One Million for Work Flexibility is a movement that absolutely appeals to both audiences, uh, the organizations, thought leaders, as well as 100% the, the people who want and need work flexibility. Come to our website to find out the different organizational supporters, such as Fiverr, who are working with One Million for Work Flexibility and dedicated to work flexibility within their own organizations, as well as a conceptual good for, for society and the economy. We have a newsletter you can sign up for that helps to share information of events and news that's happening surrounding work flexibility, uh, government initiatives that might be happening. Uh, the, those types of things. And essentially, we ask people who are interested in it to just simply virtually raise their hand, kind of, uh, to say, I think this is a good idea. And in doing that, you sign up with name and email and uh, really brief information. If you want to share a story about why work flexibility is important to you, that's fantastic. But our goal is to, to really create a larger voice to help uh, advance work flexibility. You know, Sarah, I see you have a series of goals on your website listed, inspire, educate, lead, mobilize, and support in terms of reaching people. Do you want to go a little bit more into that and what those stand for and what those mean to people looking into work flexibility? Sure. Um, one of the challenges with work flexibility, as I was kind of talking about, there's a lot of different kinds of work flexibility. And so what happens is that these audiences are really disparate. Uh, people who want to telecommute don't necessarily associate themselves as freelancers, or freelancers don't necessarily uh, have, you know, know that anyone's interested in part-time work and that that might be for flexibility too. So we're trying to help to bring these different disparate audiences together, uh, and that's kind of why the volume, um, being able to get one million people and ideally more to sign up, uh, is is important. Um, and with that, as we get people to support the initiative, we can then educate them and share important information that's related to them through, as I mentioned, newsletters. But we also do webinars with uh, a lot of fantastic blog posts from thought leaders and experts and, and people sharing their own experiences about work flexibility, as well as in social media. Uh, so we try to bring information to people in a really nice way, really easy to kind of get involved and, and stay a little bit on the pulse of what's happening and why it might be important for them and how they can help. Uh, for us, we also highlight how people can achieve this. So we give a lot of how-tos and kind of resources, uh, ways to find flexible jobs, ways to 
pitch your employer, if you currently have one that is not offering work flexibility, how you can possibly get them to uh, integrate it or consider it for your role or for the whole organization maybe. And then for us internally as an organization and as we work with our supporters uh, as well to try to get involved uh, in local and national events and legislation uh, that, you know, whether it's, it, there's been a number of different initiatives from Vermont to San Francisco and we want, and in some cases we've been able to connect different players in the in legislation that's happening um, in Vermont with those in San Francisco or across the country in the United States to, to share information. We've also worked with the organizations in the UK to, to help do in introductions and kind of trying to bring a community feel to those of us uh, who are interested in work flexibility and, and being able to really help advance it faster that way as opposed to keeping everyone to spare it. So can you tell us the connection between workflexibility.org and FlexJobs? Is there anything there? Are they one and the same? Are they connected in any way? Well, um, they are connected. One Million for Work Flexibility is essentially a, a, an advocacy arm of FlexJobs. And the way that happened is I started FlexJobs about 10 years ago when I was pregnant with my first son and I'd always been quite driven in my career and I started looking at opportunities that would allow me some kind of flexibility and I was really open to what that meant but I knew I didn't want to be working in a traditional on-site full-time kind of really restrictive job uh, when I had my child and so I was looking at freelance, consulting, uh, flexible schedule, telecommuting and in my own search um, I became very aware of how overwhelmed the market or saturated the market was when you specifically when you look for telecommuting or work from home jobs of scams. There are about 60 to 70 scams for every one real job. It was really difficult to find the legitimate ones buried in, uh, underneath all of those. And then same thing with part-time professional jobs. Uh, that most about 90% of, of part-time jobs are student jobs, retail industry or uh, kind of food industry jobs, all of which are legitimate, but they're not in line with my career path. And so I was frustrated with that and wanted to, I really at the time wish there was a, an easier way to do it. And so that's kind of, I, I, I guess a quick backstory as well is that back when I was about, I was 21, I dropped out of college and started an online job service. Uh, at the time it was the first online database for entry level and internship jobs. Uh, I co-founded that with a friend of mine. We had grown it, sold it to a public company in 2000, and then I'd kind of gone and done different things. So I had this depth of experience in the employment market. So when I was feeling this frustration in finding flexible jobs, I realized that I wasn't the average job seeker, uh, and there are probably millions of people like me who are having a similar frustration. So I, um, had done some good competitive analysis and, and researched the market quite a bit and put together a business plan kind of loosely on paper and decided to pursue it, uh, even though I will say starting a company at the same time as having a child is maybe not the optimum way to do it, but it, it did fuel my fire and my dedication uh, of why it was so important. And so I give that story because work flexibility for me was something that was really important. It could have been defined in a lot of different ways. It wasn't one, there wasn't one answer to what I was looking for at the time. A flexible schedule might have worked for me, but really, you know, when I started flex jobs, I wanted to do it in my dream way, which was to work flexibly, uh, flexible hours and from home. So that's what our company does and is, um, and we're an entirely virtual company. Our 
all of our team work from home offices around the country and actually around the world at different times. Um, and so that kind of flexibility is super important to me. And as I was building flex jobs, which is a, a, a job board, as I would have imagined, to be able to find hand-screened, legitimate, flexible jobs, uh, we, I realized that I was often evangelizing work flexibility. And I really realized I could be spending you know, a good chunk of my time, if not all of my time, just doing that and trying to educate people on why it was important, why technology uh, is is helping to evolve these changes faster. And so uh, I, I realized as an entrepreneur, I had to focus on building the company. I couldn't spend the bulk of my time evangelizing, but I always wanted to. <laughs> and so the, you know, fast forward, uh, it was about three years ago almost, that I realized we had enough relationships, we had enough of a voice in this space to be able to launch something that was an advocacy arm. And at that point had um, uh, our director, Emma Plum, come on board to help me run that. And so it's it's absolutely an extension of FlexJobs, uh, but we keep a very strong editorial line between the two. And um, One Million has its own mission to uh, bring the benefits of work flexibility to more companies and people. Uh, and it, it, their mission is technically separate from flex jobs, but we certainly support each other. Just just scrolling back slightly, you mentioned that um, one form or one version of work flexibility can be to undertake a part-time job. And you also mentioned that um, you're a parent. I was wondering your take or potentially if um, work flexibility kind of covers this issue as well. But basically this week in the UK, um, a data study was released by the Institute of uh, for Fiscal Studies, which found that um, the primary caregiver, usually um, the mother in most cases, when they go back to work, they usually find that their pay or their hours available or other elements fall on average 33% behind those who haven't taken the time out to, you know, start a family. Would you say that work flexibility is kind of helping a movement or helping to bridge that gap between offering alternatives to just part-time pay or part-time positions by also having those kind of jobs that are available that can kind of keep you in the industry or keep you in the field but reduce the hours available? I, I do. I believe that work flexibility can help to broaden the options essentially. Uh, there are many working parents who in, in either need to financially uh, or want to stay in a, in a more full-time career, but without types of flexibility, really are not able to juggle both. And I know that you know, the on-ramping, off-ramp, or well, off-ramping and then on-ramping for many parents of off-ramping out of their career is not usually what they want to do. It's that they feel very limited by the choices. Um, and this can be in all, in all levels of the you know, economic uh, range. It can be for, you know, for lawyers. There's a, an incredibly high rate of, of lawyers who leave the field, even though they've spent years of their life and, and so much money studying uh, to become a lawyer, but there's a lot of there's not a lot of flexibility in the in the profession typically, and so they end up abandoning. That also happens with doctors, etc. Uh, but if you go all the way down uh, to lower level jobs, unfortunately, many of them, if you work full time, you don't even earn enough to cover the cost of childcare, at least in the United States, and it's it, which is horrible. 
Um, it's just horrible and embarrassing and frustrating. That's a whole different topic. But, um, but I think that uh, work flexibility, if somebody's able to work from home part of the time, avoiding commutes, uh, saving money on childcare in that, during their commute time, I actually don't advocate working parents uh, telecommute and try to watch their children at the same time. I am, don't think that works very well. Uh, but I, I think that work flexibility introduces a lot of opportunities to stay active in your career in ways that more structured on-site roles uh, during set hours do not. I even think with professional part-time jobs, many, many working parents come back into the work market after entirely off-ramping for a couple of years, and they feel that it's kind of like a transition that they then need to get into a part-time job before going into a full-time job, whereas many parents I talk to also would rather stay in a part-time job even when their children are young, uh, which would keep them active in their career, keep their resume current, uh, keep their skills current, all of that, so that they wouldn't have that same dip in in pay when they do come back full time. So we've mentioned parents as, and I think it's because it's probably the most obvious one for when you think about who needs work flexibility and why. But if you were to kind of summarize or think of the top scenarios where people require work flexibility, who would you kind of say that the, the top scenarios are? Um, working parents are certainly the most commonly thought of, uh, but I actually would say freelancers are, are very quickly <laughs> becoming uh, synonymous with work, work flexibility. Um, it's not just for women, it's for men. Uh, it's certainly generational. I think millennials and, and the younger generations are much more naturally attuned and acclimated to work flexibility uh, because they're so much more uh, adoptive of, of technologies, mobile technologies and such. Um, there are also situations you might not think of, uh, military spouses uh, who have to be relocated um, for when their families get uh, deployed, um, or there are people with health issues either for themselves or who are caretakers for either parents or children um, or other loved ones, uh, which, you know, to have work flexibility at that point to make doctor's appointments and um, handle treatments uh, it, it is really, really critical. Uh, also, there's just geography. Uh, if you're in a lo in an economically depressed area uh, and there's no jobs in your field, you either have to get un you'll either become underemployed or possibly un unemployed if you're not able to find something that that you can do. Uh, and so by, by opening up remote jobs or telecommuting jobs, it it can absolutely help uh, people in kind of economically depressed areas as well as rural areas for the same reason. So there's a lot. It, the, the list actually continues on. We've talked to triathletes or Olympians who <laughs> need flexible work uh, in order to train as well. So there's a lot of different pe reasons that people want and need work flexibility. And, um, and it, it's something that I believe is happening more and more. It's actually already happening on a much broader scale than most people acknowledge, especially with remote work, uh, because in many prof professions, uh, certainly I would, I would venture to argue that almost all white-collar professions, uh, people already work remotely at least some percent of the time, even if it's only 3%, 5%, 7%, because they're checking their email, uh, they're working on their laptops, on their tablets, et cetera, when they're not physically in an office. It seems like there's such a wide range of people who could benefit from work flexibility but might not necessarily be aware that that option even exists. Mm -hmm. Have you had any struggles or getting your message out there? What have been some of the bigger challenges you've had to overcome? 
Uh, I think that what you were kind of saying that people tend to think work flexibility equals working, you know, moms, work from home moms. Um, that So I think a lot of it's just educating that, no, this is a professional, viable option for people in all careers, ranging from entry level to executive and in all geographical locations. Although the one challenge, the one restriction to that is that you do have to have good internet and or phone service. Um, and that does take a large percentage of the under underdeveloped world uh, off the plate at this point, although that's something that is evolving. Um, but it's, I think that work flexibility can benefit everybody. Even if you are somebody who thinks you will never want or need it, you'll, you know, life is life. There are things that come up in life that can, that are hard, whether it's a, an ill loved one, um, some kind, usually it's, you know, I think a lot of people, I've heard so many stories from executives, especially male, I will say, who used to think that work flexibility was not really important to them or shouldn't really matter. And then they've had, you know, one particular man I'm thinking of, and then he had an ill child. Um, and that threw a massive wrench into his life, obviously. And he was the breadwinner. He couldn't leave his job. Uh, he also had the insurance for the family. Um, but he wanted to be there with his daughter as she was going through treatments and to be there to help take care of her as she was going through through what she was going through. And work flexibility all of a sudden was a massive light bulb for him. And I think that uh, it's that need of work flexibility that many people don't realize. Uh, the, and then there's also the want. Then there's just the lifestyle. There's the, the whole new, you know, as I, I know Fiverr works with, a lot of the community are digital nomads. Um, people who want to explore the world, who want to be on the move, who want to not be tied to a desk in an office, let alone a cubicle. Um, and so there's, a, a, for both of those reasons, the wants and the needs, this is something that is, is it's only moving forward uh, with the technology we have available. So what resources does the One Million for Work flexibility movement currently offer to workers? Um, One Million for Work Flexibility has a, a fantastic blog where we have a, a wide variety of topics, um, stories, uh, experts, um, interviews with authors on books in the, in the space. Um, we have you know, productivity tips. Uh, we have some of the common challenges that flexible workers have uh, in their daily lives, either, again, in finding opportunities or in managing being a, a, a flexible worker. Um, we do all kinds of different stories uh, in terms of, I don't know, setting, again, productivity, flexible schedules, uh, benefits of um, flexible work. I think that's one of the areas that many people don't realize the, the deep array of benefits that work flexibility offers. And it's not just about the individual person who has the role. It really does carry over into their lives, their their loved ones, their friendships, their relationships, their children's lives. Uh, you know, we've done studies on on parents who, if they had a more flexible job, uh, it, this this was um, primarily in the United States. But if they had a more flexible job, around eighty percent of them would volunteer more in their kids' activities or in their schools. Uh, when you start to consider the impact that type of of involvement, additional involvement that that work flexibility allows, um, it, it can be very profound, um, let alone the environmental benefits. Uh, so being able to educate people and workers on, on what these benefits are for themselves, why it's important for their lives, um, as well as for their communities. 
there's also more logistical information, such as, again, events or uh, articles that they can um, become aware of what's happening. Uh, one of our long-term goals that just takes time, but we've been able to make some headway with it uh, already, are, are to get enough people in this movement that we can then um, target. Uh, so if we know that there are some legislative uh, support of work flexibility happening in a certain state or a certain, a certain country, we can be sure to email all the people in those locations to let them know what's happening. Um, and to give them either options and, and suggestions if they want to get involved, certainly, and or to vote to support it if, if, if that's an option, et cetera. And I think that by, again, that's where the, the real value in the masses can, can help to speed this along. Many people believe work flexibility is good, but they don't know how to get it. Um, and they don't know how to get it either within their organizations or even within their, their countries that from like a, a tax and a, um, a legislative standpoint. Uh, but the more that our government support, our government and other governments support it, uh, the more available it will become to workers. Well, I think education is the key. I mean, I think a lot of people, it seems like such an obvious thing after you've been doing it for a while, but I think a lot of people aren't even aware that options like that exist, you know, and they think they're stuck in what they're doing and they have no option to have any flexibility. And I think, um, you know, millennials too often blur that line of working more hours versus working smarter. Mm -hmm. So I think the more information that's out there to let people know that this option's available, it's going to just progress and snowball so quickly. Absolutely. And I think that it's, whether, you know, there are so many professions that um, can benefit from getting the awareness out that there's flexibility that can be done with that type of role. Um, I think that, you know, Fiverr has such a fantastic specialization in creative services and, and beyond. Um, and a lot of people, if they don't feel like they have a job that they've heard about being flexible, they don't think it's possible. And so that is, we're really focused both with One Million Work Flexibility and Flex Jobs, uh, trying to get, trying to give people hope, honestly, trying to give people hope and let them know that in their given career, even if they've never heard of it or thought of it, work flexibility does exist. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who've said that I had I had no idea legitimate work from home jobs existed, and certainly not in their field. Uh, you know, it's funny because there's some verticals that people associate, maybe um, like virtual admins, and certainly I think graphic designers, writers, uh, programmers, uh, and and those types of professions. People when they stop and think that they're like, oh yeah, those are remote. They those could be flexible. I get that. Um, but really, I mean, it, it cuts across everything. We see job, the number one field that we've seen historically at Flex Jobs in the last eight years is medical and health. Um, education and training is another of the top five. Uh, you know, we see research and government and um, nonprofit and philanthropy. Uh, certainly, by like translation and bilingual bilingual jobs. If, you, if you're bilingual, it's a fantastic opportunity. Uh, we have so many com companies who are looking for different roles with bilingual skills. Uh, that are that are flexible. So it, it really is the way, the awareness, um, and it's a, it, a lot of changing tides happening again with the technology that we have available to work remotely, to work flexible hours. Um, it, it, it changes things dramatically. So, uh, but employers are slow. Um, oftentimes, we certainly have some who are setting a, a great bar and, and advancing work flexibility in their organizations. 
one of the keys to that, though, is tracking the ROI, uh, the return on investment for work flexibility initiatives. And at this point, there's still a really massive, uh, well, honestly, dismal uh, performance in terms of companies tracking that. Uh, we did a survey last year of North America, large North American corporations. Over 300 of them responded, and uh, only 3% <laughs> said that they even attempt to track the ROI and the work flexibility initiatives, um, which is really, it's business 101 to me. If you're doing an initiative, you track, you track the results. Uh, but what it does is it goes to show why employers are so, they're, they're very slow to move on, on acknowledging the benefits uh, to themselves for their bottom lines on work flexibility. And so that's I think something to really work with. I think there's also a lot of initiatives that can kind of shoot off from work flexibility that can be very beneficial to employers and also other causes. So, for example, telecommuting instantly cuts down the need to travel. It cuts down, you know, your carbon footprint. It's going to help the environment. If you're a company that pays the travel fare of um, any of your employees, which is often the case in London, having telecommuting reduces your own company bill to do so. And there's a lot of other benefits and factors I think can be achieved, even such as having a maybe a smaller office space because not all of your employees are in the office on the exact same days or the exact same times. And in, in that structure, you're then being flexible in a whole host of other areas. Absolutely. Um, the benefits are very widespread for companies. Um, and all at the end of the day, service or studies after studies show that it's about productivity engagement. Um, if you have a more productive and engaged workforce, which work flexibility absolutely supports, uh, you will be a more productive and successful company. Um, but yes, for all of the reasons, um, you know, certainly productivity, real estate costs, overturn, uh, turnover, um, recruiting, retention, uh, mental health costs of your, of your team too, in terms of stress and anxiety and things of that nature, uh, there are very extensive cost savings um, that, that can happen. And we need more and more companies to come out and, and state those and share that information. Uh, right now, a lot of companies are happening, are doing work flexibility initiatives in silos, or they're keeping it very silent. Um, and this past summer, uh, in June, we did, or a couple of months ago, we did uh, a, or the first conference on this topic. Uh, it was called the TradWorks Forum, uh, again, telecommuting remote and distributed uh, for Trad. And we invited everyone from startups to Fortune 500 companies to come and share their experiences um, and kind of what kind of what's actually happening in their organizations. How's it going? What's the, what are the challenges, etc. And we had you know companies we had, we had Dell, um, ADP, we had speakers from CNN, uh, we had U.S. government um, representatives uh, from the U.S. Department of Labor, Labor, American Express, Bloomberg. I mean a num wide variety of different companies that all kind of looked at each other and were like, oh, you're doing this too? Oh, wow, how are you doing that? What'd you find from this? And actually sharing the information. Um, and that's what we need more of from a corporate level to help get this, to get work flexibility available for more workers. Um, and, and these companies are not just hiring. I mean, they're, again, they're not just hiring for employee roles. Many of them are hiring for freelance roles uh, in, a, in a much higher volume than they ever have before, so. 
Thanks to Sarah and One Million for Work Flexibility for joining us today. To learn more on work flexibility and what Sarah offers, visit workflexibility.org. And thank you for joining us. Our jingle was made by me, Custom Drum Loops, today. And as always, we are edited by Dancha. See you next week. Find